RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Please check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all of your supplement needs. I'm Jamie Bain and today we're back in the Premiership. We're talking to a colleague of mine from Gloucester Rugby, Rob Parkinson, who's senior physiotherapist there. And we're talking about injury prevention and treating acute injuries. So check it out and let us know what you think. Hi Rob, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about your background, um, how you got into physiotherapy and in rugby and some of the clubs you work with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, thanks for having us on, Jamie. I know it's been a, a long time in the pipeline, but God, we can finally have a chat. And yeah, I love what you're doing so far with the podcast and great information out there. Uh, so my, my background in terms of my formal education I actually graduated with a degree in biomedical science uh, from the University of Sheffield and worked in that field for a couple of years and realised, you know, reasonably quickly that I wanted to, to actually work with, with people rather than, than lab-based uh, sort of professions. So off the back of that and my own experiences, you know, growing up playing, playing rugby and having a few injuries myself, I went back to, to uni and studied at uh, the University of Nottingham. So... After the after the three year BSc, uh, I'd uh, I pretty much set my sights on working in the rugby environment from day one of the degree, and got as much experience in that field as I could doing the odd occasional course, and and just trying to build uh, build my experience in that sort of environment. I was lucky enough to get a final placement at Leeds Rhinos, and off the back of that, I uh, got an academy post uh, working with Leeds Carnegie. Uh, Leeds Carnegie at the time. Uh, were based at the same training facility as the, as the Rhino, so I got an academy post with them. And then after after about six months, I uh, applied for and got the, the assistant physio position with the Leeds Rhino's first team. So it was, uh, it was straight into the, the rugby world, if you like, which, you know, some people actively discourage. Uh, for me, I, I don't think I was at any more of a disadvantage going that route. I, I knew that was the environment that I wanted to work in. Uh, set my sights on it as a veteran from on the degree. And yeah, loved, loved every minute of my time at Leeds. Uh, from there, I went on to uh, a head role, uh, head physio role at Hawkingston Service, uh, which uh, is also based in the Super League. And following uh, about a year and a half at Hull, uh, I moved down to join Gloucester, uh, Gloucester Rugby Union, so I swapped codes. And I've been in the, the post for about a season and a half now. Um, whilst I was with Leeds and Hull, uh, I was also lucky enough to, to work with within the England rugby league setup, uh, initially with the England Knights and then the, the England first team touring Australia and New Zealand uh, for the Four Nations. Awesome, that's uh, some great experience. And I, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Rob. Which do you prefer, league or union? Um, as a spectator, I would say that I watch more of club rugby league. And uh, on the international front, uh, I'm certainly following more of the union uh, at the moment, especially the way that, that England are going and the form that they're in. Uh, some really entertaining stuff uh, from those boys. 
Oh, you're sitting on the fence a bit there, but anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Yeah. Well, on the on the same <laughs> on the same subject, uh, have you seen a difference in the in the preparation between league and union? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's some some fundamentals that are, I guess remain the same for, for both codes. But there's some some pretty uh, big differences that you've got to account for in the preparation of the players as well. Uh, the the contact situation uh, is very different between the codes. Um, with more of a, a sort of front-on tackle uh, in the in the rugby league, and obviously you've got the the breakdown to, to contend with with the rugby union boys, and then the set piece as well is, is probably one of the key differences in terms of prep. Your your front five, front eight players in rugby union have to contend with scrums, lineouts, and a, a lot of specialist plays around the set piece, which the, the rugby league boys don't don't have to do. Uh, it's a bit more of an open game. Yeah, and the kind of the main reason we got you on, Rob. Obviously, um, as a physiotherapist, we, we usually get S and Cs on, but it's, it's good to get a kind of insight into injury prevention and what people are doing in in rugby uh, to prevent injuries. Uh, how do you think rugby players should approach injury prevention? Uh, I think, I mean, the, the reason why I love the game as much as I do, um, rugby players have to have pretty much every physical athletic attribute that. That you could you could name. Uh, they've got to have great strength. They've got to be powerful. They've got to be quick. Uh, they've got the got to have the endurance to to apply all those attributes over the course of an 80 minute game. And injury prevention is a, a really interesting field that that seems to, to come and go from from trends and hot topics and and things all come around full circle. But ultimately, for for me and, and my approach, it's about just getting the, the right sort of exposure to, to what you're going to face on the field and make sure that you do train each energy system uh, within its own right. But more from a, a physiotherapy point of view, I think recovery is, is absolutely key. Uh, I know you've had some phenomenal speakers that would be better informed than I am on the S&C side of things, but... Uh, for us as, as medical practitioners working in this environment and I think it's often something that gets overlooked is the importance of complete and total recovery uh, and there's, uh, there's a whole load of modalities that, that you can use uh, after recovery pull based sessions, uh, cryotherapies uh, becoming more and more important and I think just getting the, getting the basic principles right uh, in between sessions so if you if you taper and get your um, get your training right in terms of the volume, uh, that's going to go a long way to, to reducing that injury risk. Uh, you look at a lot of the work by Tim Gabbett and and a lot of other authors now looking at the acute and chronic workloads. Uh, that's that's becoming massively involved and massively important. Yeah, and and just to uh, you kind of touch on some of the sort of trends or possibly even call them fads that kind of come in around injury prevention what might be some things that people are better off avoiding or, or maybe you know making sure they get those basics of you know training properly and recovering in first well i think i think that's uh, a really good question and if there was a if there was a silver bullet that was going to fix everything and, and cure everything or rehabilitate everything um we'd be, be a lot closer to finding it by uh, by now, so I think keeping things simple in a in a way you can chase 
you know, marginal gains and those 1% differences, that's such a, a small portion of the whole picture. And you've just got to get your fundamentals right. And that's what I love about a lot of the information that you guys are, are putting out there. It's about being consistent with good practices. So whether that's having a good handle on your, your training volume and your training intensity and not being massively reactive to uh, a big game or off the back of a significant loss, changing those practices uh, and being reactive rather than proactive. Uh, I think if you if you look at what's ahead and, and plan, then that'll, that'll go a long way to getting you on the right path in terms of your, your training demands. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, a lot of our, our members on the, the Rugby Renegade subscription programme are obviously amateur players who, who don't have as good uh, access to, to physios and, and therapists. Um, and, and I know the kind of the man hours that yourself and, and the rest of the department of Gloucester put in to helping players, you know, recover from injury and get back, um, you know, better sure. than they were before. So in terms of acute injuries, like, what sort of advice would you give to an amateur athlete on, on how to treat those? Um, well, if, um, if you if you do struggle for access to to a healthcare professional, uh, then there are a lot of things that you can do yourself. Now, without applying it to uh, an actual example or a particular individual, then their own guidelines. Um, my advice would always be to seek advice um, from a, a relevant, immediately uh, qualified professional whether that's contacting someone on uh, social media. I mean, a lot of people are, are very open about giving out advice or someone locally to actually get something reviewed properly. But my, my advice for an acute injury, if something's just happened, uh, I'd, uh, I'd liken it to, to a bobsleigh race, really. If you get the start right, uh, you're going to reap those rewards uh, further down the, the, the rehab pathway, if you like. Um, it's all about getting the start right. Uh, there's no point in going to see a professional uh, four to six weeks down the line and you, you've missed that opportunity. So the, the opportunity for tissues to heal in in most cases is you know, fairly time dependent and as time goes on, that window closes. Particularly, uh, I'll use an example of a, a lower grade MCL sprain, uh, so medial knee ligament. If you continue to, to train and load it, and there's a significant tear in there, you'll, you're very likely to, to cause more damage. And then when you do actually decide to back off your training and, and give it time to heal, that acute inflammatory process will be, will be a long way down the line. Uh, the ligament will scar up and heal in a, a poor or lengthened position. And then your rehabilitation is more about learning how to, to adapt and, and compensate for potential area of weakness um, I think if you get the, the the start right and you're aggressive with your, your management then uh, your, your outcome at the end of that rehab pathway is going to be far far better uh, so the, the usual uh, advice sort of rings true uh, even now it's been around for a long time you know protect an injured joint or tissue and um, we're shifting more towards optimal loading rather than complete rest uh, Tissues love to be loaded, and as long as that's in the right way and it's not putting you at significant risk, then optimal loading as and when you, you're able to tolerate it. And then greater degree integration into your training activities. So bear in mind, you know, going back to uh, the acute and chronic 
sort of workload, just the completion of healing isn't uh, a green light to get back into full training activities. You know, there's still a process to go through in terms of graded exposure uh, to, to training volume and training intensity that you should go through uh, when you're coming back from an injury. Yeah, and that, that ties in nicely with my next question, Rob. Um, what key concepts do rugby players need to understand when it comes to return to play? I mean, you, you mentioned the chronic acute earlier. Why don't we go into those sort of things a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Um, I think as a, as a player, when you're returning to, to play or getting close to returning to play, uh, you can go, go through a, a period of rehab and get a, get a little bit impatient and, and rush things, particularly at the later stages. And this is where getting that, that baseline volume back up is, is massively important, you know, for... If you're out for a long period of time, you need an equally long period of time to, to get back into full training. So my advice with uh, understanding in terms of play processes, I would always say be objective-driven and, and not time-driven. Uh, depending on the, the position you play, you're going to have different functional markers that you've got to hit before you cross whitewash and, and start playing again. So I would always say if you get given a time frame, they're, they're very, very fluid. Uh, if you're being assessed and you, you're told that you'll be back in around six to eight weeks, uh, that could be quicker, it could be longer. And uh, increasingly now, we're leaning towards setting objective targets to return to play rather than time frames. So I would always say, you know, as a, as a rugby player and, and for your listeners, that from, from the outset, have a discussion with either a physio, your, your coach, uh, about what you need to do and what you need to complete uh, before you get back on the field. So initially that might be something as simple as, as range of movement markers. Uh, so uh, just re-establishing uh, full joint range of motion, uh, some isolated strength. Uh, so if, in the case of uh, shoulder injury, it might be some rotated cuff testing and making sure that your your left and right uh, are symmetrical in terms of the force that they can produce and how long they can produce it for. And then you know you you're probably going to start transitioning more into to gym based markers, gym based strength, gym based power. Uh, are you strong? Are you powerful? And in the case of the shoulder, you've got a left and right comparison. And typically, you know, we'd we'd aim to be within Ninety percent left to right, hundred percent is always going to be the the, the gold standard. But within ninety, you could probably say that uh, a person's suitably rehabilitated to to move on or progress through their their rehab. Okay, that's some, some great advice there, Rob. Now, this is a question we ask uh, all our guests on the podcast. Um, bear in mind, they usually strength and conditioning coaches, so feel free to put kind of a, a physio spin or, you know, if, I know you train, so if, you know, from the outside looking in at, at rugby, you might have a different opinion. So uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to rugby strength and conditioning? Um, well, I suppose it doesn't... Uh, just apply to the strength and conditioning world, but uh, just overcomplicating processes, uh, I think. And when there is so much information out there and it's, it's so freely accessible, uh, I think you can read 
uh, a different article every week that might shift and change your your approach to, to training. Now, whether that's um, rehab, whether it's SFC, whether it's skill acquisition, uh, it would appear that there's always uh, a, a new drill or a new approach out there that you could introduce. Uh, but uh, because of that, I'd, I'd always favour uh, consistency in in what you're doing. Uh, so don't don't overcomplicate things. Get the fundamentals right before you move on and start chasing those marginal gains that we we spoke about briefly earlier. Uh, I think if your if your listeners are, are in the amateur setup, you know you might be training two nights a week, three nights a week if you if you're lucky. So you, there's simply not enough time to to address absolutely everything uh, within that time. Uh, the chances are, if you try and do that, you're going to overtrain. You're going to be on the training field for too long. Uh, but set your sights on what you want to achieve, how you want to achieve it. So whether that's uh, a set piece, whether that's uh, a gym-based target, and then work towards it in a structured way. You know, incremental progressions every week, and as long as you're consistent with that. You know, as the as the weeks uh, move through the season, you'll you'll reap the rewards. I think if you're changing the, the stimulus and changing the focus too often, one it gets confusing, and and two you probably won't get the adaptations that you're hoping for. Yeah, definitely, that's great advice, and it, it ties in with uh, what Ben Frank said on on our last podcast. It's it's all about consistency, um, and and progressing. Uh, over time to improve performance that you want to carry over on the field so some great advice there um now is there a you know if one of our listeners wants to go and learn a lot more about injury prevention or you know rehabbing injuries um is there any books you might recommend to them yeah absolutely i mean there's there's plenty out there i think um the david joyce uh sports injury prevention and rehab books uh is a, a really good insight um depending on how much they're wanting to read into it uh if they, if they got all the way through that it's a it's a great reference text and then uh beyond that uh books by uh joanne elphinston is also another good one uh, about biomechanics and, and movement patterns and how they can impact uh impact your training awesome um and i mean you've worked with you know in, in both codes of rugby uh, you must have worked with some great strength and conditioning coach. Who's probably the best strength and conditioning coach you've worked with? Uh, <laughs> yeah, very, very tough question. Um, I, I think uh, for me, for me personally, I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal practitioner, and he's actually in a, a head role with the RFL now. Uh, but Rich Hunnix, who was at Leeds when I started my career, uh, he was, I think, just his. Uh, general approach to uh, applying the, the science and delivering it in a, a meaningful way to the players uh, was was incredibly valuable and for me as a, as a new graduate and at the start of my career to, to see him operate in practice as he did and, and as he does uh, was, was a real privilege uh, so <laughs> if he gets to listen to this I'm not sure if he would have been expecting that answer but yeah phenomenal practitioner Oh, that's great. Well, I wasn't expecting. I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for you know spending the time to talk to us, Rob, and and sharing that great information about injury prevention and, and injury treatment. Uh, where can people learn more about you? 
Um, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's easy to find out a, a bit more. Um, quite active on social media, Facebook and, and Instagram. Uh, just search Pro Performance Clinic. Uh, put occasional rehab videos and, and blog articles up there. So that would be a good starting place. Awesome. And we'll uh, we'll share links to all those uh, in the show notes uh, for people to check you out. But Rob, uh, once again, um, thanks for sharing that information. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of it and it will uh, save them a lot of stress when it comes to injuries and injury prevention. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Danny. Okay, so there you go. A bit different to our usual podcast, but uh, hopefully it's a nice change of pace and give you a good idea of how to treat those acute injuries and hopefully prevent them altogether. In the meantime, please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher or TuneIn and please give us a five-star review and keep checking us out at RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online subscription S&C programme for rugby. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at RugbyRenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.